<laughs> uh, good morning. How are you? <laughs> good to see you. We're going to talk about marriage. And uh, last week, Deb did a great job talking about marriage part one. And uh, really, we need to know what, is, what does love do in a marriage and in relationships? It's not just marriage, it's relationships. And um, what does love do? And, you know, our mom and our dad have taught us to do certain things, right? Uh, or not taught us, right? right? Our, and they're not always right. Our church tells us and our friend tells us what to do, and those aren't always right. But today we're looking at some things and some areas that are very important to a marriage relationship and we need to understand what it's all about. So I'm just going to read here like we do with these lessons. Today we're going to look again at the subject of marriage. And the question is, what is marriage? Have you ever thought about that? According to the Bible, it was God, God's idea to design marriage. Marriage is a joining together. It is a oneness. It is a uniting. Genesis 2.24 says this, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. They will be joined and he will cleave to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. Now, did you know that marriage is more than a joining and more than a oneness? For example, 1 Corinthians 6.15 says, uh, it says, if I go out being a Christian and I join myself to a prostitute, I become one flesh with her. Then consider the quotation from Genesis 2.24 about marriage. Joining myself to a prostitute would not automatically make me divorced from my wife or make me married to the prostitute because I had intercourse with her. So what is marriage? What is it? If marriage is oneness, it's a joining together. It, if it's becoming one flesh, what is the dis difference between that and going to a prostitute? Obviously, if you went in, into a prostitute, you would not become one flesh with her. The Bible does say that marriage is a oneness, a joining together, uniting together, but it's more than that. It's a uniting together by covenant. And the word covenant in Hebrew is bereth, and it has the idea of binding together. Uh, just a funny little note here recently. I had somebody, uh, I don't remember who this was, but they said marriage is like uh, mashed potatoes. And it's like, <laughs> did you say that last week? That was awesome. I was paying attention. And, uh, <laughs> hey, I heard the story. But that was awesome. I love that. It was, it, you can't separate the potatoes once they're all mashed together. Well, that's what marriage is. It, if you do that, if you tried to do it, it would, it would mess it up, right? You'd never be able to do it because they're connected. But it doesn't just happen by, happen by being with someone, although that does something. That, you know, being with someone does something, all right? More than what we are familiar with, I would say that, uh, spiritually speaking. But covenant adds to and makes marriage what it is. It brings it into a complete uniting and a complete 
oneness in marriage. All right? So covenant, the word covenant, the Hebrew word is berith, and it has the idea of binding together. It's the final commitment of an individual, even a commitment till death do you part. Now, if I went into a prostitute, if I did such an evil sin as that, there would be no commitment on my part to her. The essence of marriage is to first of all forsake all others. The Bible says you shall leave your father and mother and you shall cleave to your wife. Ezekiel says, and I'll just on that cleaving to your wife, you know, every action that you have is, you know, if you're actually being biblical, you know, if you're going to get biblical in your marriage, right, if you're about to get biblical in it, you're going to cleave. You like that? <laughs> you're going to cleave. That's the action. That's the biblical action. Are your actions causing you to commit to her or to him as one, to cleave to them? Are your actions, because every action you do is going to be either cleaving to them and binding you more and more together as one, or it's going to be pushing away. And so this is a good test for, should I do this, is, is exactly this. Am, am, is it causing me to leave other people and commit to my spouse, commit to my wife? Uh, the other day, uh, just to give you all, you know, I, yes, I, I do mess up. And uh, the other day, I don't remember what it was, but Nicole and I were talking about it. And I was sitting there, and she asked me a question, and I was, I was just, I was in the middle of doing some work, and I answered her like I expected her to know the answer, and it was kind of sharp, and it just wasn't loving. It wasn't a cleaving action. That was this week after Deb's great marriage talk last week. And, uh, but, just as, but I've noticed, actually, that's something the Holy Spirit has been talking to me about. And, I got to, and here's what he's been saying. If any one of you came up to me, I would not answer you the same way that I answered my wife. Why in the world would I answer my, to my wife like that? That's, that's, you know, the Holy Spirit getting on me. And <laughs> I know he never does that to y'all, but that's where I was at this week. But it, here's the question. Was my actions cleaving or pushing away? Yeah. And, and if I'm going to treat you with that kind of respect and love and know that give you room to grow and everything else, I need to do the same to her. That is an action of cleaving to her, of, of loving on her in a godly way. And I need to take those actions. And uh, the Holy Spirit was really convicting me over that and just showing me. And so I told her, I said, I don't even remember what it was I said to you, but I remember the heart, and I apologize. And uh, so that was a good moment for me. So yay, a, amen. And she smiled at me, and that was good. So, because I do miss it, you know. We all do. And, uh, and. Look, don't beat yourself up because you missed it. You know, don't don't do that. That's the devil's job. Why join forces with him? Amen. So it says. Now, if I went in uh, to a prostitute, talking about covenant. If I went into a prostitute, if I did such an evil sin as that, there would be no commitment on my part to her. The essence of marriage is to, first of all, forsake all others. The Bible says you shall leave your father and mother and you shall cleave to your wife. So husbands cleave to your wife, wives cleave to your husband. Okay? Ezekiel says you became mine. 
It's forsaking all others for this one, to commit yourself to this one. Obviously, if you go in an immoral way, go to another person when you're married, that would violate the principle of marriage. The oneness and unity that comes through a covenant or commitment, Ezekiel 16.8 calls it a covenant of marriage. In Ephesians 5, we learn that in marriage, the husband is to love his wife even as Christ loved the church. So it's the covenant of love. The reason it's a covenant of love is because love is the ruling principle of marriage. Above all things, love must be the ruling principle of marriage. Above everything. All right? Marriage is the covenant of oneness. It says in 1 Peter 3, 7, that if I don't honor and appreciate my wife as being the weaker vessel and realize that we are heirs together of the grace of Christ, our prayers will be hindered. Now, before I get into that fully, I want to, this is the thing I was trying to remember last week to say was where it talks about the weaker vessel. And there's another um, lesson by, oh gracious, Rick Renner, who's a Greek, a Greek scholar, he has a book called Sparkling Gems uh, from the Greek. And uh, one, of the, one of the places in there, he talks about the weaker vessel. Because we've read weaker vessel, and out of our humanity and the way we've been taught, we took weaker vessel to mean that they were weaker and not stronger, all right? But that's not really what that verse was saying, but I guarantee you all of us have probably heard preaching that way. That's not what it's saying. This is what it's saying. If I had a vessel that was fragile and precious to me, fragile and precious, a weaker vessel in the sense that it could easily break, but I cherish it then I'm going to treat this one differently than like a rubber ball that I can throw up against the wall. I'm going to cherish that weaker vessel. It's not, see, we've used it in a way wrongly in the church before, not here, but the church has, the body has, where they've taught it where it's something to keep them under the thumb of the husband. That's not what it's about. It's about the fact that we have different calls, different purposes in the body, and if that is something that's precious and fragile, fragile to me in a beautiful way, a beautiful, like a beautiful vase that's worth so much to us, we're going to put that thing up high where it can't be broken we're going to treat it like even like i'm handling that i'm handling it nice because i'm like please don't break that in the middle of the message talking about the weaker vessel so you're going to handle it in a different way you're going to handle it with kid gloves with gentleness with love like my comment to my wife the other day that wasn't with kid gloves. I was not treating her like that. That was why it was wrong. That was the, you know, you see what I'm saying? That was, that was wrong. It doesn't mean that I never, we never have real conversations. It doesn't mean, you know, one of her greatest breakthroughs, it, and it came because the Holy Spirit told me to say something at the right moment. One of her, she'll tell you, one of her greatest breakthroughs is when I had to tell her, you need to get over this. You just need to get over it. Well, that doesn't seem like it's kid gloves, but the Holy Spirit knew the timing and I was able to hear him and it caused her to, to go over, to get out of the pit and, and get out of the ditch and actually caused one of the greatest breakthroughs she's ever had in her life. 
But again, why was that okay at that moment? Because it was under leading of the Holy Spirit, and I knew it. And he knew when to press that button that would engage her to jump up out of the mess and move forward. Okay, So we, we, love is always at the leading of God, and so we need to watch that. So now that I've explained that, let me go back and read that. Marriage is the covenant of oneness. It says in 1 Peter 3, 7, that if I don't honor and appreciate my wife <clears throat> as being the weaker vessel, and I realize that we are heirs together, uh, of the grace of life, our prayers will be hindered. In other words, well, I'm, I'll just read and not comment. Think about that. Our spiritual lives could be hindered, because I knew he was going to talk about it here in a second. Our spiritual lives could be hindered if we do not walk in the unity and harmony that God has designed for the marriage relationship. You mean your life could be affected by how you treat your spouse, and your prayers could not be answered by how you treat your spouse? Yep. All right. Amen. Thank you for the gracious amens. That is awesome. <laughs> Proverbs 2, 16 and 17 talks about a wayward woman who forsakes her marriage covenant, the God of her youth, and that marriage relationship is called the covenant of her God. This is a very serious thing. It's a covenant we make to an individual, but it's also a covenant that we make before God. As much as I love to minister to priority, God has a priority, and that is to focus on my marriage. Marriage really is a focusing of my life onto another individual. And as I said, the ruling principle is love. I would say that, um, and I, I've made mention of this, I, I wouldn't say that Nicole and I's marriage was in trouble like two years ago or something, but it was probably at a low for us. Uh, we've always had, you know, just, we've had people our whole married life look at us and go, I wish I had your marriage, right? We've, and, it, and even at that low, people were still saying that. But I would say it was at a low, and the reason it got at that low was this. We were giving more attention to you than we were each other. And that was a problem because God has a priority system, and that was out of line with it. And, and how we got there was trying to love on you, and it felt like it was the right thing to do. But then all of a sudden, we both kind of woke up at the same time and went, God, I'm not giving enough attention to my spouse. And so watch this, though. As soon as we turned and gave attention to each other, all of a sudden, the joy started to come back. The, the, now, and if the joy is back, now I have the ability to minister to you the right way. Yeah, and Deb mouthed the words better, and, and that's exactly it. You can minister even better. Your, your relationship with your spouse is huge to God. After him, that's the number one priority. The number one priority. Him and then that spouse. But you got to understand, if you're honoring him, you are honoring that spouse. So it's almost like an equal priority. 
You have to understand. Now, a lot of people, and the reason I say it's not an equal priority is a lot of people, what they'll do is they will, they will cave in to ungodly things that their spouse is doing above God. That's not correct, and it's not going to help. We're kind of talking about that. It actually, the message today, the sermon proof part four, is going to be talking a lot about marriage too. So um, it's interesting to watch how the Lord does this stuff. Matthew seven twelve says, Whatever you would want someone to do to you, do to them. For this is the law and the prophets. This is exactly the principle that should rule in marriage. It's not a selfish thing, not for self, not about what this person can give you. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians thirteen four that love is kind. That means to seek the welfare of another, to be generous and kind, and to always seek the best for another. The reason marriage is designed that way is because it's an example, a model of what real relationship with God should be. He has given us illustrations in the natural. He has shown us how to have a good marriage, a great marriage, because he wants us to have a model of what a real eternal relationship is to be with him. Uh, we talked a lot about that in the marriage and relationship uh, teaching that we did, that this is the, your marriage is the picture of God that your children and the world see. And it's one of the reasons why the devil fights it immediately and fights it the hardest. You know, did the devil come and tempt Adam before he had Eve? Why did he come then? Because marriage, marriage painted the picture of God for all the world to see. He knows it. He recognized, hey, that looks like God. And so he came in and he, and he tried to bring a problem to him and he succeeded. And he does the same today. He, he, there's really nothing new under the sun. So it says... He wants us to have a model of what real eternal relationship is to be with him. Marriage is only until death do us part a temporary thing. The Bible says that in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage. God wants us to understand a good marriage, the principle of love, the principles of giving unselfishly to another. He is saying, what I want you to really understand is that I've called you into a marriage relationship with me. Not a temporary relationship, not one that will last just a few years and then be gone, but an eternal relationship where all of my love will be manifested to you forever and ever. Let me give you a few principles of marriage. Marriage is a merger, not just a partnership. I'll say that again. Marriage is a merger, not just a partnership. The Bible talks about it in Genesis 4 as knowing and in 1 Peter 3, 7 as being heirs together of the grace of life. Marriage is a covenant, which means it's binding. There is a commitment involved. Sin did not enter the first church. It entered the first marriage. So we need to get the manual, get the instructions about marriage, and implement the principles of love in our lives. We also ask, what is love? The definition of love is really, in a sense, unselfishness. And in a sense, that's exactly, it's unselfishness. Okay? 
Isaiah 53, 6 says this. Says we, says we are like sheep that went astray and turned every one to our own way. But in marriage, we focus on the other individual and seek their welfare and benefit. The Bible tells us in Ephesians that loving your wife is like loving your own body. We husbands are to cherish and honor the wife God has given to us, which means to appreciate her. To love your own body doesn't mean you sit around and hold hands with yourself, pat yourself, or say, oh, I love you, <laughs> to yourself. It's not that at all. To love yourself is to protect yourself, to feed yourself, and to look out for yourself. We should never take our wives for granted. Never take one of her weaknesses and expose it publicly. Never make fun of her or do things that hurt her. We're to love her as we love our own selves. See, and here's one of the things. People go around thinking it's God to expose the sin in people's lives. That's not God. God is saying, he, he's the one who was saying it was right for the boys to cover up the sin of Noah. Not to say it's okay, but not make fun of it. And not expose it to the world. That's not God's way. He's a restoring God. He, he wants to take that person, cover them up. If, so, if not, why would he have given us Christ to cover what, our, our sin? He wants to take that person that's in the hole and in the ditch. And he wants to lift them up and bring them to recovery and restoration. That's, that's his heart. He is a restoring God. He's a recovery. The, the word, you know, save means one of the parts of the word save that we get savior from, it defines who Jesus is, is restoration. Delivered. So deliver, deliver out of the hole and bring to the place of restoration. That's a part of salvation. Lift, up, lift yourself up to God in prayer and first of all, thank him for loving you. Then, thank him for your partner, the mate he gave you. That could be part of the problem. You may not have appreciated your mate. You may not have put him or her down. And the Bible says that is basically selfishness is sin. It says in Ephesians 5 that Jesus cleansed the church by the washing of the water of the word. By his words he spoke over the church. When you speak over your mate, they will rise to the level of the words you speak. If you say you're no good, you're ugly, you're overweight, you will suppress your marriage and not cause oneness but separation and alienation. But if you speak words of kindness like, Honey, I appreciate the things you do. I appreciate you. I love you. And back them up with your actions. Your mate will rise up to the level of those words. Can't you see today that a lot of the problems in your marriage relationship are the words you've spoken? Have you brought your mate down rather than up? I encourage you to speak good words of your mate today. Love is not a feeling. Love is seeking the welfare and benefit of another person regardless of how you feel. Begin today with acts of kindness, just like painting several layers of lacquer on a piece of wood. That's how love is built, by little acts of kindness. Start to esteem, honor, value, and speak words of love over your mate, and you'll see a difference. God bless you as you implement these principles. 
Now, we have a few questions. I'm going to go through these fairly rapidly. Let's turn to uh, Proverbs 18.22. And it says, Whosoever uh, finds, a good, uh, finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So is marriage a good thing? Is it terrible? Or is it pleasing unto the Lord? It's pleasing to the Lord. That's right. Hebrews 13.4 says, Marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers. God will judge. It says this, Sex in marriage or the marriage bed is what? Sin, dirty and evil, or undefiled? It's undefiled. In other words, it's, it's a beauty in the eyes of God. You see? All right. The world has taken that and twisted it and tried to pervert that and make it not that way. And even so, for us to talk about sex in church is like unheard of, right? Why? Because they've tried to turn it into something dark and perverted. That's what the devil's been working to do. So that it takes away the truth of what it is in God's eyes so that it is it, that we don't live to the fullness of it and we don't experience the fullness of what God had for us. And then we think that things in the, of that nature are stuff that God doesn't want. He doesn't want us to talk about. It's dirty. No, no, no. It's undefiled in God's eyes. Ecclesiastes 9.9 says this, Enjoy life with the woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life, which he has given to you under the sun. For this is your reward in life and your toil in which you have labored under the sun. True or false, a godly marriage is a gift and a reward to you in this life from the Lord. True. True. Read John, 1 John 3.18. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Uh, Judge Philip Gillum stated that of the 28,000 juvenile court cases that he judged, the lack of affection between father and mother was the greatest cause of juvenile delinquency that he knew. How are we to show love in deed and in truth? Yeah. In other words, we're not just to talk about it. We're to show it. Ephesians 5.28. True or, or let me read it first, I guess. So husbands also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. True or false? I am not to neglect my spouse any more than I neglect my own body. True. True. All right. 1 John 3.16. Not John, but 1 John. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. True or false? The words, I love you, can be beautiful if they are backed with actions. Jesus backed up his words by laying down his life for us. Let me add right here, laying down his life means laying down his decisions, his thoughts, and his actions. In other words, what I thought was mine, what I thought I deserved, what I thought I wanted, I'm laying it all down to hear from God. 
That's laying down your life, okay? Lay down, we ought to lay down our lives for our mates in, men, in as many practical ways as we possibly can. True or false? True. All right. Ephesians 5, 25 and 26. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. True or false, my wife is going to live up to what I speak over her. I bring her to the potential of that which I speak over her. True. And so this is not just talking about a wife, but a spouse. Children are going to live up to what you speak over them. Romans eight thirty eight and 39, and 1 John four nineteen. So it says, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And 1 John four nineteen, we love because he first loved us. True or false, we are wooed or loved by the intimate words that are spoken to us, followed by action. God wooed us from, by speaking to us intimate words from his love letters recorded as scripture. So true or false? True. 1 John 5, 3 and 2 John 6. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome in 2 John. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. True or false? The how-tos of love are expressed and known by Jesus' commandments. True. We can learn these principles of love from God's word. Uh, John fourteen fifteen. So all of these questions are designed to make you think about some of these things. To see some of the principles of love and of marriage. All right. First, or John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. True or false? Love is not a matter of your emotions, but of your will. True. Every command in Scripture is given to man's will, never to his emotions. God never tells you how to feel, but rather he tells you how to act. That's a strong statement. Galatians 5, and 23, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Love is not natural. It must be learned and birthed into mankind by the Holy Spirit. Love is a fruit of A, man's thinking, B, man's nature, C, God's Spirit. God's Spirit. Ephesians 5, 31, 32, last one. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. A good marriage is a small-scale model of what? Of Christ and the church, of his love for mankind. That's right. So, marriage is very important 
Um, this is why you see the devil attacking it on every scale possible. He tries to effect, attack it directly. He tries to attack it indirectly. Why? Because it's a picture of Christ and the church. It's a picture of it speaks and preaches to the world when you have a good marriage. And so what does he try to do? He tries to bust it up, right? And the truth is, uh, up till this point in America, we've allowed them to do it. The divorce rate in the church is the same as it is in the world. In other words, we need to get some mind renewal. The Word says that we are destroyed and gone into captivity because of a lack of knowledge and lack of understanding. In other words, you know, if I said, hey, let's have a marriage seminar, right? Most people are going to be like, nah, I got other stuff to do. There's a good movie coming out or something, you know. They, uh, nah. And they don't realize that that's exactly what they need to be the ambassador that God's called them to be. And even if they got it all together, they need to get more resolve on that so that they can be the ambassador God's called them to be. Because they are, their marriage is constantly painting a picture of God's love for humanity. So even if they're not married, what are they doing? They're growing in that resolve. They can help their friends. They can help their children. And if the Lord is leading them to that place later on, they will know more about uh, the love of God and how to apply it. But even if they never get married, they will understand, if they understand a good marriage, a godly marriage, they'll understand more about the love of God and they'll be in the place to receive and move and flow in the love of God better simply by knowing more about marriage. Knowing about marriage is a Christian thing and a godly thing, not just a married thing. Amen? Amen. So, Lord, we thank you. Lord, I, I just thank you for good marriages in Boomerang right now. I thank you for good marriages of people that are watching and listening to this. Lord, thank you for good marriages, blessed marriages, holy marriages, Lord, united marriages, covenant marriages, Lord, godly marriages in, in you. We praise you and we love you. Lord, I thank you for you. You are the restorer. You are the life giver. And Lord, right now, I just speak life into the marriages. Right now, Lord. Life be in those marriages. Life be in those relationships. Love of God be in them. Restoration come now in Jesus' name. Lord, let your love pour over and fill in all the cracks of humanity. Let your mercy make it smooth and perfect again. Let those relationships be be what you've called them to be. And Lord, let people have eyes of understanding that they see your will and strength to move into your will in their relationships. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for being with us today and thanks for joining us.